The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Sample Chapter Podcast. This is episode 181, and I'm feeling much better. (laughs) That little bit of burnout that I was feeling, you know, there a couple weeks ago, uh, that is gone. I've had a lot of support from my family, a lot of, uh, you know, picking me up and reminding me of how good I'm doing. Plus, I've had some really nice emails recently and uh, some some great chats with with the guest authors and, uh, you know, just more some more confirmation and uh, just reminded me of just how much I really enjoy doing this show. So, so with that said, welcome. <laughs> In case you didn't know, my name is Jason A. Meiske. I'm a thriller author and, of course, host of this show. And, uh, my gosh, I can't believe it. 181 episodes now as of today. That's incredible. Um, and today is a, a very special episode in that I have a re- another return guest. I've had a lot of return guests recently, which I, I guess that says something too for the show's longevity and and uh, likability, perhaps. I don't know. I, I I have been told that I have a nice voice. <laughs> anyway, it's Teresa Halverson. She is our return guest this week, and uh, yeah, she was with me back. Uh, back on episode 139 last year in September, and uh, we had a great chat then, and uh, another wonderful chat today. We are, well, first off, I start off by confusing myself over what show I'm talking about, which you're going to find out what that means here right at the start of that interview. It's good for a laugh. <laughs> but uh, but we talk about the uh, the struggles that go along with writing sequels. Uh, which is what she's talking about today, the sequel to her previous book, Where Her Warehouse Dreams. And uh, this is River City Widows, is the book we're going to hear from today. We're also talking about flawed characters and balancing them out uh, with the right kind of flaws. Yeah, and, and she has a really great take on that, so it's something you're going to really enjoy. And then, um, and then we're also talking a, a little bit about the show that she is on, Semi-Sages of the Pages podcast, uh, where she and an upcoming guest, I would, I would add, uh, are part of the part of that group, the Sages, and it's a it's a lot of fun. You're gonna really enjoy this chat, so stay tuned to that. It's gonna be coming up here in just a few minutes. Meanwhile, uh, I, I've been uh, trying not to be down on myself for my writing this year because although I'm, I'm, my writing's been very up and down, I finally got caught up on what my word count is for the year, and it's not where I need to be. I I set a goal of 225,000 words written this year, and I'm still shy of 100,000 at the about the halfway point of the year. (laughs) So I need to kick it up a little bit. I got to get some more writing done and get back into it. But, you know, just uh, taking that week away, and then uh, with the way some things have gone lately, I just I feel much more rejuvenated. And, of course, this past weekend was Father's Day, so that helped out a lot. I got to go fishing. If you follow any of my my author page on Facebook or on Twitter, then you see I shared a picture of this ridiculously small fish that I caught. <laughs> but it was nice to just take some time for myself again and uh, 
take care of myself, you know, get out in nature and uh, actually I listened to some podcasts while I was fishing and, and just, just taking it in. And um, although I did discover that apparently my bug spray must have expired because I got ate up. Oh my gosh. And I'm trying not to try not to scratch my ankles right now as, as I speak, but <laughs> it, it just still, it was worth it. It was a nice time. And uh, I got to go home and then I sat down and I punched out about 500 words, you know, new words too, new words on my, on my work. I've been kind of mixing up my time lately on editing, uh, the first of the bandit book. I'm trying to hurry up. I want to get that out this year right away as soon as I can. So I've been editing that. And then in the, at the same time, I'm kind of touching up on, or not touching up, but I'm, I'm going in and writing fresh on either book two of the bandit or, um, a, actually I have two different books that I'm, they're completely different and it's just wherever the mood's taking me. I'm, I'm just, I was going to focus on just one at a time, but with the way I've felt lately, it's been nice to just kind of mix it up. So I have a, a bank heist thriller and then I have a, uh, haunted road, I don't know, paranormal kind of thriller. That's uh, quite the trip, I think. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Pun intended. <laughs> but I've been working on those little bits here and there, and that's been kind of nice to just like the other day. It was that was half a chapter, I think, that I wrote on the haunted road story. But uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm I'm looking to get uh, certainly Bandit out this year. I would like to get uh, another Bandit out this year, but we'll see what happens. And, uh, of course, you guys will be the first to know if I have any of those ready or up for pre-order. Meanwhile, I should thank our first sponsor, which is Scrivener, because I do all of my writing on Scrivener. I love, love that software. And uh, it's just so amazing to have all of my notes are right there. I was able to go back in. No matter how much time I spent away, I could go back in and start reading up about some of these character notes I had places that they were going to be going, things that I wanted them to do. And I was like, oh yes, here we go. And then I'm right back in the zone and it was great. Check out this commercial for Scrivener and learn how you can save 20% on the regular desktop version. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. Yes, indeed. Thank you once again to Scrivener. I love having them as a sponsor and uh, hoping to continue that trend for the foreseeable future. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Oh, air conditioner just kicked on. Well, hopefully that's not coming through the microphone. <laughs> I also want to thank my partner, Audible. I'm an affiliate now with Audible uh, as a as a longtime user of their service, and now you know a lot of the books that come through this show also have 
audio versions of them. So listen to this little advertisement and learn how you can get yourself a free 30-day trial courtesy of Audible. Hello friends, Jason here, and I wanted to take a moment to tell you about a great offer from Audible. Like you, I'm very busy. I have a full-time job, a family, I'm a thriller author, and I do this weekly podcast. But I also love to read. That's where Audible is a lifesaver for me. Whether I'm mowing the yard, working out, driving back and forth to work, or doing some other menial task, I can still listen to an incredible book through Audible. And now you can get a free 30-day trial by going to audibletrial.com slash sample chapter. By doing that, you'll not only have that 30-day trial, you'll also gain access to guided wellness programs, theatrical performances, A-list comedy, exclusive Audible originals, and even podcasts like the Sample Chapter Podcast. Last year is the first time I ever achieved my own personal reading goals and it was because of some wonderful titles I listened to on Audible. Some of those titles were Ready Player Two by Ernest Klein, narrated by Will Wheaton, the Awaken Online series from Travis Bagwell, narrated by David Stifle, Patient Zero by Jonathan Mayberry, narrated by the incredible Ray Porter, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention previous guest Scott Meyer with his Magic 2.0 series, narrated by Luke Daniels. It's a lot of fun and definitely worth your time. Hey, full disclosure, by signing up at audibletrial.com slash sample chapter, the show does get a little monetization, which goes directly towards any production needs uh, with the show. So you're also helping us out here by signing up. So what are you waiting for? Head on over now to audibletrial.com slash sample chapter and start your free 30-day trial today. Right, thank you once again to Audible for connecting with us and uh, making this wonderful offer. So make sure you click that link in the show notes or head on over to samplechapterpodcast.com and you can click the link there to take it right over and get yourself that free 30-day trial. Hey, speaking of other wonderful things, I want to thank our podcast friends, starting with Pop Goes the Culture Network. Uh, some friends of mine I've been with for like two years now, home to at least 10 other pop culture related shows, uh, wonderful shows, lots to offer over there. So click that link in the show notes to find all of them. You can also find a link to my other podcast network, Project Entertainment Network. And not not exactly my network. I'm, I mean, it's I'm a part of that network. You know what I'm talking about. Project Entertainment Network, home to more than 30 wonderful shows of a wide, wide variety all kinds of things. It, it's just about any subject you're looking for. They're all entertaining, they're all amazing, and they're all incredible. Check out this advertisement for one of those wonderful shows. Hi everyone, I'm Jay, host of the Unafraid podcast. On Unafraid, I share stories from the queer community that help us to grow, learn, and understand that while we are all different, there is an immeasurable beauty in that diversity. The Unafraid Podcast is my labor of love, and I want to share that love with you. New stories are aired each week, so you can check out Unafraid on your podcast distributor right now. All right, thank you once again to Project Entertainment Network and all those wonderful shows. Uh, so many to choose from, so get on over there and check one out. All right, hey, uh, don't forget, all of those are, whether it's our sponsors, partners, and podcast friends, all of those are available in social media. You can follow them there. 
just like the Sample Chapter Podcast. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow along with the show. Tag us on any posts that you have. If you have a favorite episode, share that. And make sure you tag us with the uh, with that post. And let us know what you what you liked about that episode. Or what you liked. Maybe, maybe the reading was particularly uh, fascinating. Uh, today is another one of those. I think you're going to... You're going to get really drawn in by the reading uh, from that Teresa does. Um, if you're not a social media kind of person and you want to just reach out to me, you can at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. Um, I'm still catching up on some of the emails that I've gotten lately because I do get a lot of emails regular on a regular basis. So I'm following up with uh, a number of those right now. Um, if you would like, you can also call the show at 660-851-1146. Leave me a voicemail. And as always, make it something fun, make it something interesting, and you can hear yourself on an upcoming episode. I'm looking forward to uh, my next voicemail with that. So give me a call, people. All right, well, without further ado, let's hop on over to our interview with the delightful Teresa Halverson. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the, <laughs> I almost said the Teresa Halverson show. <laughs> well, I mean, we could do that, but. <laughs> it's the Sample Chapter Podcast with our guest today, Teresa Halverson. She's a return guest. She joined us back in September of 2020 for episode 39, where we discussed her, her novel, Warehouse Dreams. In case you don't know, Teresa is an overly caffeinated author of nonfiction and speculative fiction works. She is from San Diego and is a podcaster for Semi-Sages of the Pages, one of my favorite shows. I am a subscriber to that, and I loved the most recent uh, episode 29 of Healthy and Productive Writing Groups. Welcome to the show, Teresa. Thank you. I'm so glad to be back. I'm so happy to have you back, and it's I'm, I'm glad we were able to work it out because it's been crazy on both sides yeah yeah the the world has started to reopen and then that means that we've all gotten busier yes indeed indeed now you know on the other side of that too the flip side is that uh, that means the cons are reopening and i know you're excited for that oh my gosh i'm so excited i'm actually doing a uh, book festival in san diego on july 17th a whole bunch of authors and booksellers and everybody we're all getting together so that's going to be a lot of fun so if you're in the san diego area um july 17th it's down in the land park area um so that'll be really good and then in december um i'm part of um, they're going to rename it. It's called Midsummer Scream. Normally, it's during the summer, hence Midsummer. Um, but it'll be in December this year um, in Pasadena, in California. So that's a bunch of um, not just horror writers, but horror stuff in general. So that's going to be a lot of fun too. And then, if you hear of anything in San Diego, LA area, let me know because I love doing conventions. <laughs> Well, that's awesome, and and this episode will drop uh, well before the uh, your July uh, con. So that way, hopefully, people listening will be able to jump over there and come see you. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. So, tell me about uh, how how have things gone with Warehouse Dreams? 
So it's going really well. Um, I am so incredibly honored and amazed by the number of people that have loved um, Warehouse Dreams that have reached out about how much they appreciate having such a flawed character in Kendall. Um, she She's such a fighter and she's so incredibly loyal to the people she loves, but she's... Um, she's definitely got a lot of anxiety problems. Um, she sees herself as a hero. So she's always like, I shall jump in and solve this problem. <laughs> and um, so that's sometimes not the correct thing for her to be doing. Um, and then people really adored kind of the interaction and the romance between her and Steven, because, you know, Steven is this genetically perfect person and she's this so flawed character. And, um, but he adores her and she doesn't, she really kind of struggles with understanding that. So I've been um, hard at work on the sequel. It's actually been very, very challenging. And I've, I've heard about that from other writers that the second books are usually very difficult. Um, I've kind of found I've uh, written myself into a couple corners that I'm like, dang, Namit, I wish I hadn't made that decision um, <laughs> that I have to try to work around. So that one is coming. Um, I actually, I ended up doing um, two rough drafts from Kendall's point of view. And as I was kind of developing side characters and working on character arcs, I decided to jump to another character's point of view. So the sequel to Warehouse Dreams will be from, um, well, I don't want to give it away, but it'll be from another character's point of view and kind of her interactions with um, Kendall and her life. But we're going to go ahead and we're going to see, uh, you know, Warehouse Dreams really deals with kind of the wild point of view in this dystopian society that they're trying to survive in. And uh, the sequel to Warehouse Dreams is going to deal with the bread point of view with this idea of these quote unquote genetically perfect people who whose parents paid for their genetic code and who may not be as perfect as they think they are. And they're starting to realize that. And then there's the repercussions with society um, around that. So it's it's still very dystopian. It's still um, the, the character that I'm working with, she's still very flawed um, in a very different way than Kendall is, but still very flawed. Um, and her interactions with Kendall are very fun because Kendall doesn't like her very much. Um, so we get to kind of see her side of it of being like, what the heck is wrong with this woman? And why, why is she so resistant to what I want her to do? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I definitely agree with you on writing that second book in, in a series. I, I was in the process. I, I was almost done with what I thought was book two of a series I'm doing only to realize, oh crap, like I started off fine, picks up after the first book, things were going well. And somewhere along the way, I jumped ahead to book three of oh. things, things that I wanted to do. So, <laughs> so I've had to take out about the first seven chapters and make them their own file and rename that one book two. And then the old one, I named it book three. And I was like, okay, I'll have to figure this out later how to how to get where I was going with this one because it worked really yeah. well, but that was not what I intended. I don't right. know how I did that. But, right. Uh. It's, it's hard. It's, it's so challenging. Even if you're, and I, I'm, I'm kind of an in-between plotter and pantser where I know where the story's going. I just sometimes get lost in the middle and, oh, yeah. um, 
you know, I kind of struggle with like, okay, I, I know I need to get the character from A to E, but the um, B, C, D is kind of muddy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, I think that's where a lot of people struggle with sequels um, is how do you get the characters there and still fulfill the requirements of the first story, especially in spec fiction? Because in spec fiction, you're creating your own world. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you have to follow the rules. You can't just be like, oh, well, that doesn't work anymore. So I'm going to take that out because your your fans won't, won't like that. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things I really love about, I think we touched on it a little bit last time, but then you, you've already mentioned it today, but uh, your focus on flawed characters and how much life that brings to the story. Um, talk a little bit about what you look for when it comes to flaws. Well, so you you don't want to create perfect characters. None of us are perfect. Mm-hmm. And um, but you also have to find that balance between creating a character that um, people hate. And and you know, <laughs> it's okay to have a character that people love to hate. But the way that I write is I, I write first person and I write very strong first person where I'm really in these characters' thoughts and their moods and their emotions. And um, all of us have unhealthy thoughts and unhealthy emotions that we, we have to work through every single day or every single year of our lives. And it can be kind of intense to live in those thoughts So you have to, as a writer, you have to find that balance between all the crazy stuff that we think, putting it on the page, but also not making it too crazy to where people are like, this is like the the way my head functions. And I don't want to, I don't want to read about a character like that. The other thing I try really hard to do is to not create fake flaws. So to me, a fake flaw is like, oh, she's always tardy to everything, but otherwise she's <laughs> perfect. Um, that That's not a real flaw. Um, you know, a character that drives too fast or is a quirky driver, that that's not a real flaw. Mm-hmm. Um, you want people who have, have a background and have a story and have a reason that have had I don't want to say trauma because trauma is such a strong, a strong thing, but I've had stuff happen to them that has made them react to situations in a certain way. So you have to kind of find that balance. And um, the book that I always think about, about creating flawed characters is um, Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. I love that book, Hmm. but I know that there's a lot of um, people out there who are like, I hated this character. I couldn't deal with her. Um, It's a character who, um, has a, a great deal of trauma in her past and um, is extremely socially awkward and is very narcissistic as well. Um, but but it's a bit of a Phoenix story because she um, she kind of collapses in on herself and then you know goes to therapy and things become better again. Um, and I, I love that idea of that that flawed character that can come out of this at the end and come out a better person. So um, I kind of try to think about Eleanor as I write my my flawed characters. <laughs> um, that's actually a really good segue into um, River City Widows, um, which is, yeah, that was great, <laughs> um, which is uh, the next series that I've started. It's about a widow in East Sacramento. And um, Tasha is also very flawed in that she's very rigid in her thinking. She's, um, you know, been through trauma. Her husband has died. She's mm-hmm. raising a child on her own. 
and she's very much, uh, she calls it very organized. <laughs> Our stepdaughter calls it very rigid. She's like, we have rules in this house. We don't open the windows. It wears down the sashes in the house, period, the end. Don't open the windows. <laughs> she um, carries around a to-do list with her so that as things kind of pop up, she she writes it down. She's like, oh, I need to buy milk. I'm going to write that down. Um and, uh, you know, she's very much like, I am never late to anything. Um, and so, of course, when events happen to her, that forces her to be late to everything that ruin her plans. Um, it creates this fun dynamic where she has to step out of her comfort zone um, to deal with the paranormal situation in her house. So, um <laughs> And I really struggled finding the balance with her. My first round of beta readers, they were like, we, we hate her. We cannot stand reading about somebody who has such rigid thinking. And um, she, like at one point, so there's, um, she, so, so basically the story is about her um, trying to give her son the perfect birthday week. Um, and then her stepdaughter appears out of the blue and is like, surprise, I'm here. And of course, you know, stepdaughter's dealing with some drama of her own and brings in a Ouija board. And of course, after you use a Ouija board in a house that may have a couple entities um, hanging out there, all sorts of spooky things start happening. Mm. And um, I have the scene uh, with the stepdaughter where she goes out on a date and gets, um, gets you know, dumped by her date and she's, you know, drunk and out in the middle of um, Sacramento and calls Tasia for a pickup. And Tasia's like, no, sorry, you're, you're 21 years old, figure it out. And I had such strong reactions from my beta readers where um, some of my beta readers were like, of course she would go get her. She's drunk and in the middle of nowhere and got stood up by her date. And then I had other beta readers that were like, oh my gosh, I totally understand her situation. She's got a young child at home. It's 2 a.m. She's going to have to figure out what to do with the young child um, and then try to figure out how to get how to get to her stepdaughter. And um, my initial runs with it was, you know, she was very adamant on like, I'm not going to come and get you, figure it out. And I really had to very, had to soften that character quite a bit and had, uh, had to make her arc much stronger on um uh how can i put this the spooky things in her house manipulating her if that oh, okay. makes sense yeah. so yeah oh. so it's it's a really fun book um uh, eventually ghost hunters get involved in kind of helping her deal with the spooky stuff in her house um and of course she's got you know the hunky neighbor um who <laughs> who, uh, you know, is around as well. Cause it does, these stories always have to have a bit of a romance in them. So, um, so it's, touch, it's a good yeah. story. Yeah. Just a little <laughs> touch. Well, it, it sounds, I, I think we touched on it a little bit last time. It's got, uh, lots of wonderful suspense and some twists in it. And then of course, like you said, the hunky neighbor, Derek. So it sounds incredible. I cannot wait to dive into this. And it just came out. Yes, it did. It did. It's been out for about a month now. Um, so it was really fun. I got because I lived in uh, Sacramento for years. And so I got to, uh, you know, talk, write about um, places that I adored, like Fairytale Town and the zoo and Folsom Lake and some of the fun restaurants in Sacramento. 
So it's, it's a bit of a love story to my own children who grew up in Sacramento and then my parents as well, because um, as a child, I went to fairy tale town and then I was able to take my children to fairy tale town. So um, yeah, it's, it's kind of got that little love that, that little part in my heart in it too. Yeah. And I, and I like the idea that Tasia has almost sounds like a little bit of OCD for her flaw where it's like, Nope, you're not doing that. You're not doing that. It's because I said, so it's, it's, uh, it's got that real strong mother presence. Like my, I was having a little flashback there. Like, don't touch that. Don't touch that. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, she, you know, after the, the death of her husband, she responded by becoming very rigid. And I mean, I get that, um, you know, you, something happens to you that is outside of your control. So you respond by trying to control everything around you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, now along the way, I see here, there's also a, uh, another book lost aboard tales of the spirits yeah. on star of India. What is this? So that one I co-wrote with S. Faxon. She's a fantastic writer. Uh, that one's a creative nonfiction piece about the ghosts aboard the tall ship Star of India. Uh, Star of India is uh, one of the only iron-hulled ships that still remain. She's had a wonderful history, traversed the globe uh, many, many times. She took uh, emigrants from... Uh, London down to New Zealand. Um, she was a, a fisherman ship um, up in Alaska with the Alaska Packers. And now she's part of the Maritime Museum. And she is so incredibly haunted. Um, <laughs> and what we did with this piece was that we actually looked at the lives of the people, the, the spirits that are, are still aboard. So um, one of the most active spirits is Johnny. He was a stowaway who became crew and he fell off one of the masts, um, broke his legs and, and died. But um, so we explored kind of what brought him aboard as a stowaway. And we explored his love of becoming a member of the crew because we were able to look at the logs of the captain at the time. And Johnny was so well loved. Um, and then we interspersed those stories with interviews from the crew and the volunteers that were aboard and kind of their interactions with Johnny. So he's, he's a bit of a prankster, um, but he, you know, they've had mediums aboard um, Star of India and it appears as if he, he knows he's dead and he really enjoys teasing the living a little bit, but there's nothing malicious about him. So um, it's a really fun book. It's a quick read. Uh, but it's, if you love ghosts, if you love ships, and if you love San Diego, check it out. Oh my gosh. Yes. That sounds like a lot of fun. Well, I, before we get over to the reading, I wanted to talk a little bit and uh, touch on semi sages and all the ladies over there. Like I said, I am a fan and a subscriber and uh, I, I just, I love the, the fun conversations and Hey, everybody listening, when you go check it out, always hang in to the very end because there's always a little fun thing at the very end. So you don't want, you know, you don't, the end of the conversation is not the end. So check it out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, how are the sages doing? 
We're doing good. We're doing good. And I just want to say um, the because uh, Molly is our producer and she puts those little at that little funny thing at the very end, which is usually <laughs> usually us just joking around with each other. But um, yeah, we've had a lot of fun conversations um, or she'll be like, I have to cut this, but I'm going to put it at the very end. <laughs> um but we're doing good. We're doing good. We're hanging in there. Um, with the world reopening, it has been getting a bit challenging for the four of us to get together. So um, you may hear sometimes where we've got uh, episodes that in our mind, we've recorded back to back to back, but in your mind are a week apart. Um, but we're doing good. Um, we just did an episode on pets and writing. Um, which was very interesting. Um, this year, both uh, Molly and Sarah both lost beloved pets, and they have responded by putting those pets into their writing and into their story. So we kind of talked about that because the idea is that these um, these these pets that were so beloved to them can live on. Uh, so we talked about that. We're actually going to, we're recording on Saturday and we're going to be talking about animals in writing and about the symbolism of them um, and about uh, having animals as protagonists and antagonists and um, kind of almost human, humanifying, um, if that's a word, uh, characters. Because, you know, you've got a lot of YA now that are written from animals point of views or um you know you've got the wonderful books out there about cats that are telepaths and that fun oh, gosh, fun yes. stuff so we're going to talk about that next yeah uh, well i mean it it's a great show like i said i i really enjoy it and uh definitely recommend it to all the uh, the writer fans out there that i know are listening and and checking this out so uh hop over there and, and uh, listen to the conversations it's uh, you're gonna really enjoy it thank you it's a lot of fun we like it <laughs> Well, Teresa, where can people find and follow you? Oh, I'm everywhere. So um, you can find me at my website, www.teresahauthor.com. Um, Facebook is a really good way to find me, um, Teresa Halverson. Um, and I'm on Goodreads as well. Um, I'm focusing a lot of my attention lately on Goodreads. So come and hang out and um, I'll talk to you about books um, over there. So I'm around you. It's hard for me. It's hard to miss me. Oh, and then discord too. Um, semi sages of the pages has a discord channel. It's very active. So if you want to come and chat with us, come and hang out over there. Yeah. Well, you'll have to send me a link for that discord. That's, that's something I have not done yet is come and checked out a live show. Uh, but I will definitely add the link so that anybody else who's listening right now might be able to hop over there. Yeah, you got it. All right. Well, thank you again for coming on. I, I know you're busy and uh, that you took the time to come back on the show is a real joy for me. And, and uh, I had a great time. I, I love catching up with you. Yeah, it has been good. And I so appreciate you letting me come back on because it was a lot of fun last time. <laughs> well, pleasure is all mine. Ladies and gentlemen, time for me to step aside with my coffee and uh, listen to our guest, Teresa Halverson with River City Widows. All right, here we go. River City Widows, Chapter One, Sunday. Gabe, come on, we're going to be late. Get your jacket. Nothing. Gabe, I barked up the stairs, adding that sharp mom tone, the tone that says, don't you make me come get you. Nothing. Seriously? I'd given him the 30-minute, 15-minute, and 5-minute countdowns. He'd responded to each one. 
Now, when we had to leave, he wasn't answering. Polly, I called from my spot at the bottom of the stairs. I'd almost forgotten about my stepdaughter. She'd gone away to college in Arizona three years ago and would graduate with a history degree in a year. She'd woken me with a knock on the front door at 5 a.m. today, asking to crash in the guest room. I'd barely heard from her in the last three years. Just a place to stay over spring break, she'd said. Then Polly had wheeled her suitcase into the guest room, unpacked, showered, and made herself breakfast. When I asked her why she was here, she'd said she wanted to surprise us and reassured me all was fine. It was just a spur of the moment road trip, she'd said, and I'd loved the adventure of driving all night. She was a terrible liar. Polly, I called again. Did you want to come to dinner? If so, we have to leave or we won't make our reservation. No response. No whispers of movement over my head. No footsteps on the stairs. No flush of a toilet. Just silence. Had she and Gabe gone out and not told me? I shivered, a puff of cold air flowing around the family room and kitchen. Someone must have opened a window. Guys, I called again, starting up the stairs. My foot hit the squeaky step I usually avoided and the board wailed. I cringed, hating the sound. I pulled my to-do list out of my pocket and added a note to get the step fixed. We're gonna be late for pizza, I called. It's your favorite, Gabe. Goosebumps popped out on my arms as I reached the upstairs landing. It felt so much colder up here. I'd have to remind Polly of the rules. No opening windows, even during the summer. It wore down the sashes and were expensive to fix in my 1940s home. I knocked on the closed door to Gabe's bedroom. No answer. Gabe? I cracked open the door. It was dark, except for his Hulk nightlight casting green tin shadows. There were lumps in his bed. Gabe, I said again. Was he asleep? Maybe he was getting sick. God, I hope not. It would destroy all my plans for this week. The lumps in the bed didn't move when I flicked on the light. Gabe! Stepping into the room, my foot landed on a metal car. I winced and bent over to put it in its container with the other toys. Gabe? The lumps didn't move, and I pulled back the blanket and bed sheets to find the laundry I'd folded two days before. The laundry I'd placed on his bed for him to put away. He'd created a nest of clean laundry and then slept on it. He'd been sleeping on the clean laundry. I puffed out a sigh. What the heck was wrong with him? Why on earth would he look at a pile of laundry and think, oh, that's a good place for a nap? I gathered up the clothes and tossed them into the basket. I'd deal with it later. Later is always better. I stuck my head into the bathroom. No Gabe. He wouldn't have left, right? A dim light shone from the crack beneath Polly's door. I wonder if she'd thrown a scarf over the lamp. I hoped not. The last thing we needed was a fire. I knocked. Polly, is Gabe in there? We need to leave for pizza. No answer. I didn't want to just walk into her room. She was 21, I learned when she was about 15, not to do the quick knock and open the door parent thing. She'd been so upset. Rightfully so, I now acknowledged. I pressed my ear against the door and recoiled. It felt like a window when the snow was falling outside. She absolutely had her window open. Polly, I cracked open the door. I'm so sorry to barge in, but do you know? She and Gabe sat in the middle of the floor surrounded by lit candles, the light flickering across the walls. A game sat in front of them and a white thing spun on the board like a top. They let out a screech and I echoed it. The white piece left off the board and shot toward me. 
I jumped and zoomed under my foot, hitting and gouging the wall. Is that a Ouija board? I flicked on the lights. Gabe leapt to his feet and kicked a candle onto the floor. Fire. With a screech of fear, I stomped out the flame, pressing candle wax into the original hardwood floor. What? Who? Full? Why? My brain stuttered, words stuck in my throat. Don't pick up the candle, I yelled as Gabe bent over. He straightened, tears in his eyes. I never yelled at him. Candles? On the floor? What were you thinking? I yelled. Sorry, Mom, Gabe whispered. Right then, he looked so much like his father, my breath caught. Even though Gabe had my blonde hair and hazel eyes, I saw Miguel and Gabe's face more and more as time passed. They had the same frown, the same smile, the same snarky quirk of the eyebrows. I took a deep breath and then another, controlling my temper until I could speak. What were you guys doing? Polly hadn't moved from her spot on the floor, hadn't even looked up. She just stared down at the board with its white rows of letters arcing across the top. Gabe answered, his shoulders hunched, his hands stuffed in his pockets. Nothing. Just Polly brought this game and I'd seen it in a movie. Wanted to try it, he mumbled. What movie? He shrugged again. Go get your jacket. We're going to be late. Gabe slunk from the room. Polly? My stepdaughter's face was pale in the bright room. She had her father's jade eyes, but her mother's face with high cheekbones and full lips. Her naturally brunette hair was a strawberry blonde now. Polly! She hadn't moved. I toggled the bedroom light. A gust of wind ruffled my hair. I stepped into the room to close the window, but it was shut and locked tight. Weird. Polly shook her head, her long earrings catching the light. Tasia? You have to leave, I said. We're going to Sergio's Gabe's favorite, and you have to have a reservation. Blow out the candles, scrape up the wax, and pack up the board if you're going to come. She was going to make us late, and I was never late. Polly stood, swaying back and forth a little. She blinked, shook her head, and tilted her head to crack her neck. I hated the popping sound and looked away. The open suitcase on her bed looked like it had burst, exploding its treasures all over the room. She'd scattered clothes, shoes, wires for chargers, an iPad, and a laptop around my guest room. Hair products and nail polish sat on the windowsill along with the orchid I was trying to get to flower again. I forced my eyes away from the mess. Did you want to come with us to dinner? Yeah, that sounds good, she said. She looked around the room like she couldn't remember where she was. And could you please pick up your stuff? It escaped my lips before I could stop myself. Keeping her room clean had been an ongoing battle when Polly had lived with us. She grimaced. Yes, I remember the rules. A red haze flooded my vision. How dare she use that tone with me? I'd barely heard from my stepdaughter since Miguel had died, and she showed up without notice, trashing my guest room. But before I could order her to stay home or better yet leave, she said, sorry, I'm just hungry and drained. I was joking. It came out wrong. I was hungry too, starving, and looking forward to tonight all day, planning my breakfast and lunch calories so I could gorge on Sergio's pizza tonight. That must explain the red still encircling my vision, just hunger. I'd never actually seen red before, only read about the experience in novels. Even during the typical fights with my siblings or frustrations with Gabe and Polly, I'd never gotten that angry before. Come with us to dinner, I said, trying and failing to keep my frustration out of my voice. It's for Gabe's birthday week. I sensed Gabe standing behind me and turned to look at him. He'd stuffed his hands into his pockets, his eyes on the ground. I'm sorry we're going to be late, he muttered. I ruined everything. 
I sighed, my anger disappearing like someone had turned off a switch inside of me. On the night of Miguel's funeral, Gabe had said he'd always do what was right because that's what men did. He'd take care of me because there wasn't anyone else. He'd made promises adults couldn't keep, let alone a child. I hugged him, noticing how he came up to my waist. Yesterday, I felt like he'd been at my hip. It's okay, I said. Not a big deal at the end of the day. Ready to go get some eighth birthday pizza? He nodded and sniffed, trying not to cry. I pretended I didn't notice and gave him a final squeeze before letting him go. Polly bent over to blow out the candles, holding her strawberry blonde hair back. She looked so sad as the smell of candle smoke filled the room. Why was she here? Had something happened? Why hadn't she spoken to me in three years? Ready, I asked. She nodded and shifted through the mess on her floor for a scarf and leather jacket. We turned to head downstairs and my foot landed on the white plastic triangle from the Ouija board. Crack. I winced, bending over to pick up the pieces. What was this thing called? A planchette? I remembered my one time with a Ouija board. I was 15 and giggling girls had asked it whether a boy liked him. The planchette had moved across the board, spelling words pushed by one of the girls. I tried to fit the broken pieces together, but they cracked further, falling into white bits of plastic in my hand. Dang, it wasn't my property, and yet I'd still managed to break it. I passed the parts to Polly. Sorry, I said. I didn't see it. I promise. I know, she murmured. It was just an accident. She looked even sadder. I went to put my arm around her to give her a quick hug, but she stepped away like she used to when she was 16 and too cool to hang out with her stepmother. I pushed down the pain. We went downstairs into what used to be the formal living room and was now my office. Okay, guys, I said, clapping my hands and pretending to be cheerful. Let's jump in the car and get some food. We'll feel better. A giant thump sounded over our heads and I glanced at the ceiling. The sound, like someone had dropped a hardbound book, had come from the room we didn't use anymore. A chill crawled up my spine. I'd nearly succeeded in forgetting that room even existed. You keeping a boyfriend up there, Polly asked? It's my sex slave, I deadpanned. Mom, what's a, let's go, I said. I'm sure it's nothing. Later. I'd figure it out later. All right, that was our guest, Teresa Halverson, reading a sample chapter from her new book, River City Widows. And just like you're wondering, I want to know what's going on upstairs. What the heck was that sound? <laughs> hey, you can find out more by clicking the link in the show notes for Teresa. Uh, her website, her Facebook, her Goodreads, and the Discord channel for the Semi-Sages podcast. So you can hop in there and check out that show live. You can also find the links to our podcast friends, our sponsor, and partners right there in the show notes. And hit that like button so you don't miss that next week when I'm back with I Don't Have My Notes in Front of Me. So it's a mystery. Come back and check it out. <laughs> we'll see you then, everybody. Take care. <laughs> This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.